Hey gang, Sam here. In this episode of podcast, we talk to Kevin Moore. Kevin Moore is the owner of Colorado Motorcycle Adventure, a motorcycle touring company. He just took it over at the end of last year. I just had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go on a one week long tour with that operation, 12 of us total. Wow. Truly an experience of a lifetime. Kevin gets into his business acumen. He had several businesses in the past, all centered around customer touch points and maximizing every touch point. A lot to learn from Kevin Moore. So enjoy this episode of GarageCast. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This is GarageCast. Welcome to Garage Cast. Tony Gonzalez, Sam Dantzler coming to you with a really special guest. And Dantzler, mm. I'm really excited to talk to this guy. Probably not for the reasons that you think. I cannot wait to hear how many times you ate shit on your adventure bike through the state <laughs> of Colorado. And I know he has he has the answers. He does, he doesn't have the pictures, but he has the answers. Well, and and he he doesn't have much room to talk because he was on the deck too. In fact, I was riding right behind the guy and he just decided, Hey, there's a pretty bush and took a right into the bush. So, uh, you know, we can, that goes both ways, but I am very excited to talk, uh, talk to Kevin Moore about this thing. So um, you want to tee this up and we'll get into the meat of kind of the trip and where we went. Yeah. Let me, so let me enter this guy. Like Sam said, his name's Kevin Moore. He's the owner of Colorado motorcycle adventures. And Kevin has a pretty unique story that I think everybody's going to be super interested in, but long story short is, I don't know, it was about six, eight months ago, a dancer and I were talking. He's like, yeah, you know, I found this place online. It happens to be like really in my backyard up in Boulder, you know, he had bought his um, 14th adventure bike of which combined total had, I don't know, 600 miles on 14 of them. Uh, and he was, <laughs> he was decking this thing out. He must've had at least $40,000 in stuff on a $18,000 motorcycle, but he was in it to win it. And he's like, this guy's in Boulder. I just had coffee with this guy. I'm going to go on a ride with him. And he was, you were pretty pumped about this dude. Fast forward to your first stop on your ride that you you just got done. I don't know, a few weeks back was in Steamboat. So I was lucky enough. Uh, it was funny. We were having dinner in adjoining restaurants and I was lucky enough. You're like, hey, man, Kevin's over here. Come meet him. And Kevin is one of these guys that like from the second he stands up, it, it's there's energy. And that's kind of energy I love in people. So had a really good conversation with Kevin. I was like, dude, yeah, you got to get on the podcast. And so <laughs> without further ado, Kevin Moore, thank you so much. We know you're a very busy man. Thank you so much for spending 40, 45 minutes with us. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And Sam, I definitely dropped the bike more than you did last week. So it's <laughs> yeah, all that, good, buddy. <laughs> that last day riding home when you went your own way and, and my buddy James and I went our way, I dropped it three times that day. So I think uh, I caught you on that final day. Yeah. Eight, eight total days. Crazy. Yeah, it's, chalk it up to the learning experience, right? Keeps us humble. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Kevin, you have quite the entrepreneurial resume, uh, you know, throughout your entire life. Why motorcycles? Why now? Um, let's give our listeners uh, uh, an idea of what's going on. Get them up to speed on your decision to buy Colorado Motorcycle Adventures, CMA is what we're going to call it. 
and you've you, you've owned it now for about a year, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I've had a few businesses in the past, retired a few times, and I always get kind of back into the game. You know, my son, uh, Dylan, a uh, young man, loves dirt bikes. And what I wanted to do as a father is set him up with a good career and for himself and his family going forward. So, you know, and I wanted to be back into the game a little bit. And Dylan actually ran across uh, Colorado Motorcycle Adventures that it was up for sale. And uh, we went and visited one day and we walked out of there and said, wow, this is this is a great business. Hopefully we can put something together. And we began working on it and, uh, you know, got the deal closed October of, of last year. Uh, so we've almost been there a year right now. And we're, we're really super excited about it. We feel it's, you know, it's a great core and we can take this thing to places that uh, it's never been. Right now, it's the largest rental adventure motorcycle rental business in the country and uh, we're going to add more offerings. It's just, it's super exciting to to get into this and especially to, to spend time with my, you know, my son. And it's going to improve our relationship. We get to work closer together. I can give him some of my expertise and history on the strategic and I can use his enthusiasm because I'm losing some of my enthusiasm these days as you age out. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, Kevin, I have a question for you and, and, I think you probably strategically just brushed over. Yeah, you've had a few things that went on in the past, and it's obviously you have an entrepreneurial spirit. Give the listeners an idea of some of the things that you've gotten in and out of. Uh, I started, you know, in automotive back in Detroit. I'm a Detroit boy, yeah, originally Boulder, Colorado. Now, uh, ended up uh, acquiring a test laboratory uh, for the automotive industry back in the day. Built that thing up. Competitor uh, came in with a private equity group, wanted to buy it out. I wasn't interested. And we kept discussing and finally ended up selling that. You know, we had labs in the U.S., had a lab over in uh, France and got out of that, worked for them for a little bit and then uh, moved on. Uh, got involved in uh, China uh, in the automotive as, as the parts. You, I could see that parts were going to be sourced over in China and they needed a not only representation in the U.S., but they needed process control in China. And I had experience in both of those. So we put together a team um, and we represented some Chinese companies and we were over there getting them their quality uh, certificates and so forth. And then from there, moved on. And uh, this is where it kind of really applies to CMA is uh, started up Greenfield, a couple locations in Colorado on construction equipment. Uh, we were both a dealer and a rental house on Big Iron. That uh, was acquired by a uh, competitor also uh, after about seven years. And, you know, it, the rest is history. And I'm taking what knowledge I have over the years, and we're going to be applying it to CMA. I'm sitting here. There's so much to unpack there, Tony. There, there's the, I want to yeah. set my, I'm still hanging on to, I want to set my son up for success. I don't know about your dad, but my dad didn't, didn't, I don't know if you're setting Diego up for success here, Tony, with a business venture, 401k account, but I'm guessing not. And then just all those business. And then, and then you found this motorcycle space because I know Dylan, I know Dylan was into it, but, but the motorcycle piece of it is new to you. You're a total athlete, but this piece is new to you. But you said, you said the construction thing, the big truck, the heavy equipment. And when we, when you and I were having coffee, there's a couple of things that came up. And one of them was the parallel between how you shifted into the rental instead of the selling of those pieces of equipment. You saw a great value in the renting of that. And you, you jumped into this motorcycle mindset with, if we could do the same thing and rent these bikes out and give people these amazing experiences, 
then maybe we're onto something here. Can, can you help us with the leap from heavy equipment rentals into rental companies in motorcycle adventuring? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, business, you're either offering a product or service. And to me, it's a widget. So you can you can move that widget to whatever industry you want. You learn about it and you execute. And there was a lot of similarities between the construction equipment industry and the motorcycle industry. And, you know, what you, what we needed to decide is, yeah, we're going to rent product, but are we going to be a dealer that happens to rent? Or are we going to be a rental house that happens to be a dealer? And those are two distinct business models, right? So what we decided to do is, hey, we're going to be a rental house. And then, you know, we're going to be a dealer also. Well, we were a dealer for Hyundai. We were a dealer for Yanmar. We were a dealer for a number of other uh, Japanese domestic manufacturers, smaller scale. What we did, and we talked to all of them and said, look, we're going to use this model. We're going to use the model, what we called get them in the seat. And that guy, we get him in the seat, he's going to love your product, and he'll be the ultimate buyer. So we didn't push sales at all. What we did is we pushed rentals, and those rentals drove sales. It was more of a long-term review, but we were very successful at that, and we moved a lot of product uh, for our manufacturer OEMs. And same mindset here. If we get people in the seat, on the motorcycles, then maybe there's some sales to be had on the backside of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're there. You know, we've got uh, top brands and uh, it gives the prospective buyer an opportunity to get on a KTM, BMW, Yamaha, whatever. Or they are very comfortable with a machine back home and they want to fly out to Colorado, whether it's domestic or international. Um, same thing. You know, they can hop on the same bike they have back home and feel very comfortable with that. But yeah, there is no doubt in my mind that rentals translate into sales. It's interesting to hear you say that. And I like that because I would say a massive portion of our dealer base, both metric Harley Davidson and in the Marine space have tried rental programs in the past. However, they've thrown in the towel because of maintenance and damage and inventory levels and just not being able to make it pencil correctly for them. What is the secret sauce and how is it that you feel as though you have a model that works? Uh, I, uh, first, I think you need to have something fresh. You need to have late model product, right? Something that's exciting for the customer to be in. It has to be well-maintained. And I'm, I'm going to revert because we're still learning at, at, at CMA about the process. I'm going to revert back to construction for a moment. So what we did with, with the construction equipment is we had two versions of equipment. We had creature comfort version, and then we had a, a version that was used every once in a while. On the creature comfort version, we always put them in newer, if it was an excavator, a loader, where they're going to spend eight hours a day in that unit. We put them in that unit and they were comfortable with that. If it was something where uh, it was a reach fork and they went up in the air once or twice a day, that might be a little older piece of equipment, still well-maintained, but that, you know, we gave them flexibility, but we wanted them always to be comfortable on the product we gave them. We wanted to always have it well-maintained, and this is where you can make or lose money. We did our services in half the, the hours required by the OEMs. So if it was a thousand hour service, we were doing our services in 500 hours. We were spending the money up front. It's like pay me now or pay me later concept. 
the pay me now is, okay, we're spending the money up front, but we're not going somewhere up in the mountains to retrieve a, a down unit or something of that nature. So once you have to do that, and things do happen, um, you're, you all of a sudden, that rental, you're, you're not making any money, you're losing money. So we wanted always to have our fleet, you know, fresh and operational through, you know, outstanding maintenance. And then, you know, and then simply we just had customer service, nonstop customer service. And Sam, you and I talked about it a little bit, you know, customer touch points. We would map out every touch point we had from the for, with the customer, from the call to them driving in our parking lot to them getting the invoice. And every touch point we wanted to have a wow factor. And, and that's what we tried to do. So we'd map it out. We'd say, okay, where are we the customer? We're going to make each of those a separate experience and we're going to make it a wow experience for them. And that was very successful. That make the customers always come back. Having world-class manufacturers, you have to have good equipment. It has to operate. And finally, and most important, you've got to have an all-star team to, 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 to do, you know, to execute your plan. And I think, I think with that, you know, you're, you're going to be successful in the rental field. Uh, without it, you're going to have some challenges. I think everybody would agree with you on the team component of that. But what I heard that I want all of the listeners to hear is that you strategically mapped out every touch point with the customer to make sure they're having a premium experience along the way. It wasn't an accident. It didn't just happen. It wasn't dependent on is Billy working or Susan working. It was a strategic initiative to map out every touch point. And I can speak to, we're going to talk about the tour I went on with you guys in just a little bit here. We'll talk about that specific tour, but all along that way, it was to a point where I'm sitting here looking at the group text on my other screen coming off of this ride now. And everybody is just talking about, you know, I'm going to keep the names of these characters out of it, but it's just like, thanks everyone for the great time. Easily the coolest experience of my life. Thank you. And then one of the guys who was actually kind of quiet for a long time, he wrote back, he's like home now, believe it or not, I already miss you guys. Let's do it again immediately. And so, you know, we always talk about not just getting a transaction today, but a customer for life. How do we get tomorrow's transaction and all their friends' transactions? And I think that piece right there, mapping out every touch point and making sure they're having an incredible time along the way. I think that piece is very important. So, um, yeah. Tony, note to, note to the team, right? Note to everybody. It's, it's so true, man, that it works seamlessly in, in all levels of business, no matter what industry. And it's, that's, it, like it, that, it, it does, you know, and frankly, it's a lot of common sense. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about customer service and taking care of the customer, but how, what's the real percentage that executes, you know, and I think it's a pretty low percentage, but if you really believe in the customer, and you have a good product and service and good people to support that, it, you know, and use some common sense, you're going to be successful. You know, I mean, like I, I don't, you know, this business schools a turn over when they hear this, but I don't really pay attention to competitors, right? I, the competitors, you don't want to, I don't want to, I don't care what they're doing. I, you know, looking in the rear view mirror, they're getting further and further away. You know, you need to be a leader and not a follower. And, and I think with, with, you know, excelling in customer service and, and, and you're going to win and you're going to be profitable. You know, you're not going to know, like I ran an injection molding division back in automotive. I knew, plus or minus 3% what our volume was going to be for the year, right? Well, when you get into the test lab or you get into other businesses, you don't know where your revenue is going to come from. But if you do all the right things, especially take care of the customer, it's going to come in. It'll come, you know, you don't know where or when, but it will happen. And, and that's, you know, I've got 40 plus years experience doing this now and it works. Tony, you <laughs> talked about, you know, that he, that 
Kevin exudes energy and you're already starting to hear this. Uh, when I had coffee with him up in Boulder, it's interesting how this came to be because I knew of Colorado Mo- Motorcycle Adventure years ago. Scott was running it back then and I had hired Scott to take us out, a couple of buddies of mine, when I first got into adventure bike riding, 2014, I guess it was, and, and just ride me around and teach me how to get through sand and a water crossing and all this kind of stuff. So I reached back out to Scott like, hey, I'm I'm getting way back into this now and tell me about your tours and what's going on. And he told me that, uh, you know, Kevin and Dylan are going to buy this company and I should meet Kevin, reach out to Kevin. He's coming to Boulder. I'm like, hey, I'm driving up. We're having coffee. And from the second we sat down, it was just it was silly, giddy smiles because of this damn industry we're in. And he's so passionate and I'm so passionate about this. We just went on and on about kind of where we're going to go and and can't wait for this ride. And I couldn't believe, you know, here's here's the owner of the new company and he's going on the first ride as well because he wants to make sure the experience is what he says it is. Um, You know, Kevin, on that, when we were sitting down having coffee there, you brought up people and their views on the West, people who live in cities and what they see going West must look like. We talked about Yellowstone, the TV show. We talked about the excitement level and all that. Talk to us a little bit about how that rolls into purchasing CMA here in Colorado. You know, I think for for adventure motorcyclists that see the West, you know, it's something, and especially if you're in a city, it's so vast and open and varied, you know, geography-wise, people-wise. Um, it's just, it's, it's almost like a Zen experience, you know, if you go through uh, a, can- a desert canyon and outside of Moab, or you know, it just it just has it gives you a special feeling, and I think I, I really think TV has a lot to do with it too. The old cowboy and Indian deal, and you know, you're always you're on the cowboy side or the Indian side. I don't know, but there <laughs> there is a definite allure uh, to the West. And I don't know if you guys ever played the game when you were younger, you know, and you, you're like, okay, if I had a choice of places to live, where would I live, right? And and we lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor is a great town. University of Michigan, go blue, all that stuff. But we always think, boy, it'd be nice to live in the West. It'd be nice to live here. Well, we ended up moving to Boulder, Colorado. And, and you know, it, it was a wonderful decision. If I played that game today, where, the, where would I like to live? There is no other place. Colorado is it. And it's just the pe- – there's an electric energy uh, with the with the people, you're young, uh, outdoor lifestyle, a lot of entrepreneurs and space, you know, IT, natural foods, beer, everything's out here. And I think that energy, once people get out here, really can feel it, absorb it. And and uh, that's what I appreciate it. I'm, we're 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 going to be here forever. It's true, man. Uh, the the West has a draw, man. I, uh, one of our clients said that uh, the Rocky Mountains are the marrow of the world, and and it is it's absolutely true. It's that's super cool. So if we can put experiences together, knowing that there is such a lure to the West, and knowing there's varied uh, levels of ridership, I think we're going to be able to offer some really really life-changing, incredible experiences going forward. Well, you're, you're dovetailing so many pieces together, right? I want to see the West. Okay, cool. I want to go to some of the back places that nobody's ever seen. Well, what gets you there? A motorcycle. Motorcycles are scary and dangerous to people who haven't ridden before. Right. That's all part of this thing. You know, are we really yeah. going to ride through water and streams? Yeah. Yeah, we're really going to do that. 
<laughs> We're going to hope well, that we I, all know, Sam, make it. That's a really good point because, um, you know, I, I um, backcountry ski. So I go in, up into a lot of places you normally wouldn't see. We, you know, mountain bike all over the place. But once I started riding Adventures motorcycles, I've seen stuff in Colorado that I never would have seen in my life. You know, the stuff we saw last week was incredible. And I wouldn't have been there without a motorcycle. I agree. Unbelievable. Mm. So you guys just participated in your own tour of Colorado last week with a group. Of, well, and actually, this is about two, three weeks ago now with about a group of 12, uh, including Dantzler, which we're going to get to, man. And, and I, <laughs> You're and welcome. Kevin, I, I cannot thank you enough for all the pictures you sent me. Um, <laughs> tell our listeners about Backroad Discovery Routes or BDRs and how that multi-state project got founded. And what's the tie in between BDR and CMA? You know, I didn't know anything about BDR up until a year ago when we purchased the business. And I kept hearing BDR, BDR, BDR. It's Backcountry Discovery Routes. They're, they're a nonprofit. I believe they were founded in 2010. Um, and they're based out of Seattle. And, you know, Ina is the executive director there. She's amazing. Went and met the team, uh, I don't know, about eight months ago in Seattle. What I'm blown away by, part of their mission is to take underserved communities and get them economic benefit through these trails that they develop. So, you know, they've got people that are following the BDR track, going through a town, having lunch, having dinner, staying the night there that otherwise wouldn't be. So they really focus on that experience for those communities to help, you know, with economic benefit. Uh, the second thing is, you know, they, they help maintain uh, these routes and make sure that they're going to be able to be continue to ride on motorcycles because a lot of people don't like motorcycles. So they're a big advocate of keeping these trails open for motorcyclists. And I think, you know, third, fourth is, is safety and educational programs for, for the riders. And, and what's super cool about um, BDR is they're, audience is absolutely global. Every content they are going, if they're coming to the States or thinking about coming to the States, they're going to the BDR website and they're checking them out, looking at these tracks and what options they have. And they set tracks, you know, week long trips, mostly in the West. There's one out East. Um, and now they're working on mini tracks. So, um, they call them uh, the BDRX and they just did one up in the, um, uh, what is it? The Black Hills of, of South Dakota, that it's like a three day. So you can do a seven day, three day. But, uh, you know, they promote us and our, our tours, our, our rentals. And we, you know, we, we tell the, everybody about BDR and how great they are. So it's a really good relationship and it's global. It's just not domestic. <laughs> BDR is one ride, one tour that they offer at Colorado Motorcycle Adventure. It happens to be the one that we went on. But you guys do. What are some of the other pieces, Kevin, that you guys put together, some of the rallies that are part of Colorado Motorcycle Adventure? Well, this year we have the two, two tours, which we just did the Colorado, and we have the Utah tour coming up in, in uh, September. And then there's, there's two rallies. Uh, one is in the spring in Bisbee, Arizona, and the second one is in the fall in the shoulder season in Moab, Utah. And uh, you're right, Sam, you, you, you know, they, they give you the tracks on BDR. So you follow, basically follow their tracks through whatever state you're in. Um, and on the rallies, those are slightly different. It's just a bunch of people having a good time. And there's very rides you can go on, uh, you know, degree of difficulty, distance, time, so forth. And uh, that's what we provide uh, on these rallies. 
you guys have the premium bikes. If you want to rent them, if you're bringing your own, that's great. There's it's a it's a full service. You can go solo if you want your own place sleeping at night. You can have double rooms. You can there's a million ways you can cut this thing up. And so I, I think it's important, Kevin, when we talk about this BDR, particularly in Colorado, which is the only one I've been on so far. You got to know that going into this, I thought, I love motorcycles, man. We'll go on some gravel roads. We'll go up some over some mountains and we'll drink some beer at night and have a camaraderie between, you know, a dozen people. Or not. Buddy, these are not dog and pony shows, right? There is a level of terrifying plus exhilarating that happens at the very same time. Your guides are exceptional. I think about Chip and Brian. Um and and ash keeping us alive the whole time right and and then you got anastasia and i want you to tell me a little bit tell our audience about anastasia because i think she's a new add to your team and uh she may be the only one who didn't drop her bike including ash our guide who dumped his over several times but uh what is it about anastasia that was the draw why'd you bring her in and i think i think our listeners can learn a lot from what she does relative to the marketing component of all that yeah, well, she's, you know, Anastasia's great and she's, she's new to the team, um, integral part, obviously. Um, she, she's been over riding adventure motorcycles for years. Um, she's ridden through 40 countries, most of it solo. She's competed, you know, in 50 plus races. She's an expert on uh, the reason, you know, she was on the trip with us, Sam, is in, in a month from now, we've got individuals coming into Colorado and they want to do the Colorado BDR. So she's going to guide them on that. So she, you know, she has guiding ability. She has mechanical ability. She has uh, five language skills. So if we have foreigners that don't have very good English, she can communicate with them. Yeah, you know, and then the, she's a social media queen. I mean, she, I don't know how many followers she has, but she has thousands of followers. So she's, you know, she's a kind of a, a wear a mini hat type uh, help here at, at CMA. Um, and she's just part of it. I mean, you know, look at Ash. Ash was our guide. Ash, Ash was, you know, a, a CIO of a multi-billion dollar company and retired. But thank goodness he likes motorcycles, right? <laughs> and he decided he decided to come, you know, help us out. And he helps us and he loves it. And he goes on our tours and he, you know, he can do it as a guest or he can do it as, you know, as a guide. Uh, but Ash is, a, you know, an absolute wealth of knowledge. He's also on the we have a, we have a strategic um, uh, strategic uh, team. Uh, that and he's part of that team. Every quarter we meet on on strategic issues and how we want to take the direction of the company. Um, so he's 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 awesome. Uh, Christine, who I just met in our our October trip uh, last year in Moab, she's come aboard full time um, and she's handling all the operations stuff and keeping Dylan, you know, focused. <laughs> and that's been wonderful. And then of course Dylan has a tremendous amount of energy. And uh, he's learning, uh, but he's going to be handling the customer experience uh, and that kind of thing. And and uh, so we've got we've got a great team. Anastasia's part of it, but it's the overall team that's making this thing fun. I can't tell you. I told uh, you know I I gave Ash a little a little scratch there at the end of the thing, and he said, "Oh, we pull all the tips." And I said, "Nope, this one goes in your pocket. I want you to buy a bottle of whatever you drink uh, because you kept me alive. So yeah. I'll give some to the team. This goes to you for keeping me alive." And I think Anastasia was critical to that as well. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, those things are like you said. That's a real deal. 
you know, and, and uh, if you think you're just going to be going on a nice, smooth piece of dirt and pavement for a week, you, you, you've got something coming. I mean, it, it's a challenging ride, you know, and I, I think this is subjective a little bit, but the majority of people saying the Colorado BDR is the most difficult BDR. You know, there was there was some definite pucker factor going on there. <laughs> no joke. So I do have a question that this brings up for me, Kevin, is, you know, in talking to Sam, he said that this was exactly what you said. This was no joke. And this was every bit of riding your ass off. Do you have things for the medium level riders? Do you have something that, and we're not necessarily looking for fire service road or logging roads, but do you have something that's a little bit more palatable for people that are looking to get into something that turns into the BDR? We, we do and we don't. We offer different tracks for people to come in, you know, come in out of town, out of country, whatever. And, you know, you try to you, you try to break down what their capability and level is. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of males over exaggerate that. Right. <laughs> so it is a bit of a challenge. But yeah. we do offer, you know, we do offer varied routes. You know, think of think of a ski hill, right? Green, blue, black. So we do that kind of kind of on the side, uh, but there is no doubt uh, in my mind after doing this week long BDR uh, that we need to promote some rides that are a little softer, um, a little more gentlemanly, and still keep because what what I'm finding out is we have two sets of customers, right? We've got the hardcore, and we're never going to go away from that. We're going to be doing BDRs every year. And these guys want to ride, ride, ride. And that's that's part of our DNA. Right. But there's also I think, Sam, you mentioned seven percent of adventure motorcycles ever hit the dirt that are actually sold. That's a out of that seven percent. There's a small percent that are the hardcores. So your, your, your market's very small. Well, we've got to take advantage of that larger market. And with that larger market, we're going to be customizing things with dirt pavement, pavement only, dirt only, whatever, um, high end, you know, hotel, whatever it is, we're going to have some customization where we can offer those clients uh, varied uh, tours, very difficulty, very degree of time and uh, get them if their ultimate goal is to get on a BDR and accomplishment safe, uh, we'll get them there. It seems like from a business standpoint, that would be such a great thing to do, which would be able to uh, raise a rider right from somebody that's just a weekend warrior and graduate them up into a BDR. Yeah. Uh, and then not only are you offering fantastic tours, hotels and meals and friendships, lifelong friendships, but you have actually increased their riding acumen exponentially. So that'd be, that'd be very interesting to see for sure. Yeah, Sam, let me ask you, I mean, what, what, what is your level from, you know, from the day we started that tour to when it ended, what, how do you feel you improved? Yeah, I, I, the answer is exponentially. Um, and I wasn't the best off-road rider going into that. Those people who know me know that I'm a street rider, but I love adventure bikes. But what the adventure we did, I mean, gang, you're talking about 13,000 foot mountain passes that are above the tree line. That's nothing but rock. And you're trying to navigate the boulders and the snow runoff that's still happening, coming down at you as you're ascending only to then navigate the boulders on the descent through a bunch of loose gravel while dodging people who are in Jeeps and UTVs at the same time. It, it is, it is, it is insane. I said it before it's exhilarating and terrifying 
in moments, especially if you if you <laughs> dump the bike. It's not the dumping the bike because that's why you wear all the gear, right? And that, but you're trying to pick it up and you're starting from a standstill on top of gravel on an incline. Everyone's looking at you, waiting to go both directions around you, and uh, th- there's a there's a lot of stress that goes on. And I think you just learn to you you learn to accept it and and just stay on that throttle. And the more you stay on the throttle, the more you control you're in and the better you get. So that's my long-winded answer, Kevin. I feel I'm exponentially better as an adventure motorcycle rider. Um, and I still have a long way to go. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm this, I feel the same way, Sam. I, I think, you know, that one week of adventure motorcycling in Colorado has improved my skills dramatically, you know, and, and again, I'm used to mountain biking, right? Well, now we're talking <laughs> about a 400 pound beast under you, you know, with an engine. And you, you, you learn quick on how to handle that bad boy. Yeah. And, and it, amazing. The machines are just un- unbelievable now. So that part of it. Unbelievable. Was nice. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to plug KTM a little bit here since we're talking about machines. I mean, they, that, that is the, the ride here in Colorado. And boy, I tell you, we had 10, 10 out of the 12 were KTMs yep. and um, 890 is the quiver for Colorado. No question. It's the perfect bike for out here. That gas tank down low, keeping the weight low, is so confidence inspiring. As opposed to what was Jason on the Super Tenere, I guess, and he was swimming yeah. around because that tank yeah. was on top. You know, he's from yeah. Miami. I don't know that we can really count his Miami skills. So, <laughs> throw him under the bus while we're at it. So, so you you guys finished up this ride uh, a few weeks ago, and you know, when 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 you get a bunch of new people together to to get to know each other and you break bread together and then you do something that is undoubtedly physically challenging like that, you're, you're going to create some pretty serious bonds. So what's the hangover from a ride like that now being behind you guys? That's the first part. And then why should everybody do a trip like this at least once in their life, Kevin, or quite frankly, should they? Um, and how do you keep these guests coming back year after year? You say that you have some lifelong customers. What, what, what's the story on that? Well, I think uh, there isn't a hangover I mean, for me, anyhow. I, I think it was, Sam, you said it, it's so exhilarating, scary, all, all these emotions you, you, you evoked in that one week. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready to go out again, really, right now. I'd, I'd love to go out again. But um, it's just, you know, I, I think it, 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 it lights something inside you and you want more of it. It's like a drug. And, and I think, the, you know, the guests, if you give them a great experience, you know, and you keep them safe, they don't get hurt. If you offer additional services, different rides in different areas, do things that are unique other people aren't doing, uh, they're, they're going to come back, you know, and and in business again, it's you know continuous improvement, always continue, no matter what we did and how good we think we did, we can do better, and and I think if you use that mindset and the little tweaks here and there, uh, they'll they'll keep coming back, not only as as customers but as friends for for years. You mentioned KTM. Ten of the twelve bikes were KTM's. Um, several of them like mine self-owned a lot of others are in your rental fleet you have different bikes in your rental fleet how does your partnership with the oem suppliers to your fleet how does that work and and how do you want it to work and maybe there's something that we can do to help you with that because we're always looking for dealers relationships with the oems we like to see oems that are dealer advocates first a little different with a rental program so walk us through a little bit how that oem relationship works 
Well, it depends on the OEM, right? Some some OEMs we we mainly just deal with their dealers. Um, other OEMs, including KTM, will deal with uh, headquarters, and then we run everything through the dealership. So any any unit we buy will be run through the dealership, and it, you know, and it's good. They 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 give us some product material, and you know, we can give them some feedback, those type of things. And I think we talked about this on our coffee, and this was your idea, and I love the idea, um, is right, you know, kind of in a, in a general uh, a view, right now the relationship is lineal between the OEM or manufacturer and their dealer, right? They go back and forth. The dealer gives them orders, the manufacturer gives them products. But if you think about a triangle, remember the triangle conversation, Indeed. Sam? Yeah. I mean, that was your idea. It's a brilliant idea. I love it. And you put us in that triangle. So you've got the OEM on the top and then on the two corners, you've got the dealer and the OEM or dealer and CMA. The dealers are still giving orders back and forth, you know, to the OEM. OEM is supplying them the product. But with CMA in the loop, what we can do is we can give them brand awareness, you know, as we go up that triangle, they can give us uh, both product support and just information on about their product, what to do so we can educate our customers. So we can, we can give communication back and forth. What we can do with the dealers is from getting people on the rental bike, we can provide them leads and or sales, right? And then in turn, the dealer can provide us people that want to go on tours or rent motorcycles out here in Colorado. So, so CMA in this triangle concept could, could potentially be just simply another marketing arm for both the dealer and the manufacturer and, and move product that way. So I, I like that. I need to formulate it more, uh, but it's, it's something that I want to move forward with some of these OEMs on. Um, I think a training center, that's specific, you know, specific to a particular OEM is a great idea where we can get these guys on smaller bikes and graduate them up and up, whether it's going to be off-road, dirt, what have you, pavement. You know, I'd like to I'd like to move forward in that area a little bit on on creating a really cool experience where customers are coming out into Colorado. They're out in the woods somewhere. We've got a great track set up for them for training. Uh, we have the bonfire every night, you know, and beers and have that camaraderie. So I, I see that going and I like participation with the OEMs on that. Um, so there's a lot of different factors, but that triangle concept, I think is critical for us going forward. Well, and that triangle concept is just basically a win-win-win, right? We, we, can't, we can't work with the manufacturer as a touring company and exclude the dealer and take them out of the loop. If we include them, everybody ultimately gets to win on that scenario. So I like that. I really like the training center. That's exciting. 2024, let's get that done, Kevin. Training center. All right. All right. <laughs> what, what's, what's the train? Talk to me about the training center. That sounds interesting. Well, right now it's an idea, right? And there are some training centers around, um, but that's something that we feel would be a great opportunity for us and a great place to grow. You're getting people into the sport. I mean, we, we're buying smaller bikes now. We're, we're targeting women, you know, so we're trying to develop a new crop of riders, right? And then if you have the training element also, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. So we can train them on smaller bikes, let them graduate up to bigger bikes. They can rent bikes. They can end up buying bikes. Who knows what they're going to do? They can go on tours. They can have friends come out and rent bikes. So there's all sorts of different scenarios where if we had a training center, that's going to help drive our overall business. 
and we would like to participate with an OEM in that. Mm. Okay. That sounds interesting. So yeah, is that something that's more local? You're going to have an area like, you know, a little test track. We're going to go focus on this for the first couple hours, focus on some climbing rocks the next couple hours, like a couple day seminar type thing. Yeah, exactly. It'd be based here in Colorado. (laughs) You know, right now we're looking at, you know, for lodging, we don't want the hotel experience because the hotel, you go away your room for the night and it's over. We want to have everything in one, you know, the food, uh, you know, yurts, you know, things like that and having a nice test track. And it's a, you know, it's, it's training. It's like any other sport, like skiing, you know, it's a progression, right? Step one, then you go to two, three, four, and so forth. So that would be the program. It could be a three-day, four-day type program. Um, Yeah. And and based here in Colorado and, and, and rock and roll, man. So you, you cool. can tell you can tell Sammy's a boulder right now. He's talking yurts, dude. We're gonna have some yurts, <laughs> some some yurts. matcha, some gonna, matcha tea, uh, some drum, drum yeah. some drum circles after we do our writing. Um, uh, okay, so so that's super cool. L- let me ask you a question: Is if you envisioned something like that coming to fruition, Kevin? You know what? Ten people at a shot to do these little training deals. Because I'm also thinking not not only maybe a manufacturer supporting you. I'm thinking there's dealers out there too, that would love to have their name splashed all over uh, your, your company, you know, sponsored by Tony's power sports. Um, Don't know. I'm just like, what kind of numbers are you talking? And, and I guess let's wrap this up all in what's next for you besides, you know, these trainings and, and continued growth and rides, but where do you see yourself in the future? And the, the people that are listening to this podcast are, manufacturers, vendors within the power sports industry and in the marine industry. So both vendors from power sports, marine, also vendors from marine and power sports, and then uh, dealers, both marine dealers and power sports dealers from all over Canada, Mexico. Well, quite frankly, all over the the world now. So what's next? As I mentioned earlier, October uh, will be our first anniversary. And, you know, we, we, we came in and we're like, we're not changing anything. We're going to tune the knobs a little bit, right? And, and that's what we've done this past year. Learn the business, tune it up a little bit. And then next year, it's where we go. The first thing we need to do is we need to look at more space. We're, we're already outgrowing the space. You know, we're talking about adding. We, we, we store bikes at, at our location. So there's customers, again, domestically and internationally that keep their bike in Colorado and they come out and ride it whenever they can. So we, we store these bikes. So we want to increase our storage. Um, we do general service. We want to improve our service and increase our service and our capabilities. So those are two absolute things we're going to be doing in 24. The uh, training center, that's going to be more of a 25 type thing. But we're just looking for really good growth opportunities and to partner with people uh, that, that have like-minded ideas and strategic thinking and and want to you know it's got to be a win-win deal so whether it's a manufacturer dealer it's you know how can we work together and support each other and you know and we need our 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 sugar is is bike rentals you know and the dealers manufacturers they need to move bikes so how can we help you guys out move product and and uh you know, and create a win-win situation. So that's where I see it. And, you know, for lastly is, you know, we 
continue to have fun. I mean, this thing has been an absolute blast and it's only been a year. So I'm really looking forward to 24 and beyond and, and uh, all the cool people we're meeting. And this is a great business. You know, there's not a lot of pricks in this business. Everybody's happy, right? They're happy to be riding. So it's really, it's, it's really quite refreshing. And, and so I really enjoy uh, meeting the customers and the manufacturers and the, you know, the other providers that help, help uh, CMABX success. So. That's where I see West heading. Super cool, well, man. I endeavor to get on one of these rides for sure. Um, absolutely. The, the, the Utah <laughs> ride. I'm, I'm a big fan of riding in Utah. So we will most certainly have discussions. And I think, I think organizations like yours go a long way to, well, y- you keep those demographics that are into motorcycling. You keep them motorcycling. It is my hope that you start to attract people that are like, hmm, never thought I would be kind of intimidating. Don't know what I'm doing, but these are the these are the guys that are going to get me riding. I hope to see that you are generating riders because we need it for sure. Yeah, I tell you what, man, it's just a it's a fascinating business model, and I love that you're looking for every opportunity to expand. I'm selfishly very grateful that you're in my backyard here because you're <laughs> going to see me, like it or not, Kevin, you're going to see me on several of these. So I appreciate the friendship. I do too, Sam. I, I, when we met for coffee, I told Sam, I go, man, I, I, I finally met somebody that I think can keep up with me, but I, 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 you're way past me now, dude. So. <laughs> dude, let's get my ankle back on par, and then we'll see where that goes. <laughs> Tony, I got to tell you, before we button this thing up, um, Kevin and I discovered a cocktail uh, on this trip called the Colorado Smuggler, the Colorado Smuggler. And this is we, we were in Eagle. We were overnighting in Eagle, Colorado, and it was on the menu at an Italian joint called Tiamo and uh, bourbon, amaretto and orange Pellegrino. And you're going to thank me because Kevin, I, I mean, Kevin's a Manhattan guy. I'm an old fashioned guy. And now this is my new drug. Colorado Smuggler. You're welcome. I bet yeah. you a lot of girls drink those. I, I'll prefer scotch hey. with, with a glass. So scotch it, only. Oh, you're such a Bitters, man, Tony. Orange man. juice. Well, you take orange Julius and then you take amaretto and then you take a sprig. of Yeah, scotch is what I drink. You see hey guys, why uh, nobody likes him? It's obvious why nobody likes Tony. But it's, you guys do your Pellegrinos. I love those too. We'll, we'll, but, we'll turn you on to it, Tony. Don't you worry about I'll, that. I, I'll most certainly try it, actually. I, I do like trying to adventure into uh, newer drinks. So, yeah, next time we're all together. But, yeah. Kevin, uh, can't, I can't thank you enough uh, yeah, for I mean, your time. Listen, appreciate it, guys, both Tony and Sam. I appreciate your time. If anybody wants to reach out to me, wonderful. They can reach me at, you know, coloradomotorcycleadventures.com, Kevin at, um, or my my cell phone is 303-903-4593. So anybody uh, wants to chat about if they're thinking about getting into the rental or whatever, I'd be more than happy to chat with them. Fantastic. Love it. For Kevin Moore and Sam Dantzler, I'm Tony Gonzalez. This has been GarageCast. Hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for your time, guys.